0: Welcome to Conversations with Craig. I'm Craig DeRoche, the president and CEO of Family Policy Alliance. November is Adoption in Foster Care Month, and we are closing the month by hearing from Dr. Sharon Ford, director for foster care and adoption at Focus on the Family. But before we hear from Dr. Ford, it's time for One Minute with Craig, where I give my take on a topic of the week in only 60 seconds. Here we go. Three, two, one. Something you'll commonly hear from those who aren't pro life is that pro lifers, if we were really pro life, that we would care about babies after they're born, not just when they're in the womb. And you know what? Here's my take. I agree. And hearing that statement actually has me excited because the truth is pro lifers, and in particular Christians, do care about cherishing life from the womb to the tomb. Of course, the reason pro-lifers have to be so focused on abortion right now is because for too many of our children, abortion is taking away not just their opportunity in life, but life itself. But what about after the child is born? According to the Barna Group in 2013, Christians were twice as likely as any other group to adopt children. We're also more likely to foster children. We have a long way to go, not just in foster care and adoption, but in valuing people overall. In fact, looking out for families and children is a lot of what we do here at Family Policy Alliance. But here's the bottom line. To be pro-life is to care about a person from the moment they're conceived throughout the rest of their life. That's my take for today. Now, I am pleased to introduce Dr. Ford. Dr. Ford has dedicated her professional career to foster care and adoption services. She spent 30 years in the Division of Children Welfare Services at the Colorado Department of Human Services. She's a former president of the National Association of State Adoption Programs and the Association of Administrators for the Interstate Compact on Adoption Medical Assistance and currently served as the director for foster care and adoption at Focus on the Family. Dr. Ford is an expert when it comes to foster care and adoption, so stay tuned to hear her words of wisdom. I can tell you, I was personally challenged by what she had to say. We'll be back in a minute.
1: When you drop off your child at school, you expect them to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. But what if they are learning a completely different set of lessons? What would you do if you found out your child was learning about gender fluidity, being given contraceptives, or playing sports against someone of the opposite sex? This is why we made Back to School for Parents, a free, comprehensive guide to protecting your children in the classroom. Learn about your rights and your children's rights, plus receive guidance on how to talk to your children about sensitive and difficult subjects visit the link in the show notes to get your free copy today so you can have peace of mind while your child is at school
0: we have such a wonderful guest with us here today did you know first off did you know that november every year is national adoption month this is a an issue that maybe christians don't talk as about as much as we could it has Very significant ramifications for our culture and and the families in the United States of America. In November, we try to uh, draw focus back on this and the role that we can play, whether it's uh, with policy, whether it's through our local church or uh, uh, with the blessings. God bless the people that foster uh, children and uh, adopt them and, and and try to give each child the opportunity to live within their loving homes. And so um, we have just a wonderful guest, and her name is Dr. Sharon Ford, and she is the um, Director of Foster Care and Adoption for Focus on the Family. Uh, for 30 years, she served as the Colorado Department of Human Services in the Division of Child Welfare Services. She's one of the most renowned leaders and and subject matter experts in this topic and even served as the president of the National Association of State Adoption Programs and the Association of Administrators for the Interstate Compact on Adoption Medical Assistance. Welcome, Dr. Ford. It's a privilege to be with you today.
2: Thank you so much, Craig, for having me on your program.
0: Absolutely, and and um, so paint us a picture. What's what's going on as we're uh, um, celebrating uh, National Adoption Month? Uh, paint us a picture of what's going on in America today.
2: You know, there's two actual pictures that I'd like to share with your audience. One, it is National Adoption Month, and so across this nation, there are children who are. Um, sitting in courtrooms with their foster families, waiting for a judge to say, this is your forever family. And they get to hear the gavel hit. Sometimes the judge even invites that young person up to um, hit the gavel um, when when he, he or she pronounces, this is your forever mom, your forever dad, this is your family. Um, and there's excitement and you hear, you get to see judges with, positive tears in their eyes because they're building family while the other picture that we see going on in our nation we see children who are being removed from their birth families from their caregivers because um, of abuse and neglect um, sometimes due to drugs and alcohol sometimes just due to poverty issues and um kids are entering the foster care system and judges are having to make those hard calls and you don't see smiles, you don't see um, attaboys, Um, you see kids um, being taken by caseworkers or by law enforcement to um, strangers um, oftentimes um, to become their new foster home um, while their parents are working on the issues that presented, um, those issues that were presented before the courts. And so um, families are sad, families are hurt, children are hurting, the foster families are just trying to be there to love on the children, and the child welfare worker, the social worker, is um, trying to comfort that child and let that birth family know that the court um, is going to develop a treatment plan that will hopefully ameliorate the issues that brought that case to the attention of the court so that those kids can go back home again.
0: Well, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful process when it works. It's a difficult process. It's very uh, hard to, to observe when it, when it doesn't. And uh, I'm from Michigan. So one of my old analogies that I would use where I was speaker there um, was, um, you know, do you wanna have a Jerry Ford situation or, or do you wanna have an Isaac Lethbridge or, or um, Ricky Holland? You wouldn't know those names. You might know the first. But one was the president of the United States, went through the foster care and adoption system um, and lived a great life, uh, uh, chose the right university to play football at, University of Michigan. And I'm just teasing now uh, <laughs> for the time that we have. But but um, Ricky Holland and Isaac Lethbridge never had a chance. We uh, lost them you know, in the mm-hmm. foster care system um, and, and they died uh, horribly at young ages. And people don't know about um, statistics like we have less than 1% of American children are in the foster care system, but more than 20% are, uh, um, of people incarcerated uh, um, come from the foster care system that, uh, again, with that very low percentage of, of children that go through this, uh, estimates between 60 and even as high as over 80% are, are the ones that are saved in sex trafficking rings. And so while we have these systems, they're not. It, there's a great need you know, uh, 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 for us to, um, shore them up, to pour into them and and, uh, to recognize, um, that, you know, just with our values as pro-life individuals, that every life counts, each one of these kids' lives counts and it's worth fighting for. So as a practitioner, somebody who's tried to, through your career, improve these situations, um, what do, what do we need to know that that we don't know? What, what, what are some of the breakpoints? What are some of the things that are showing progress in America that we could be getting behind to get better outcomes? Again, I give these big statistics on an aggregate on a spreadsheet basis, but as a Christian, every single life matters. So if we're saving two, three, five, ten more uh, children, every one of those improvements matters. And what are you seeing out there, Dr. Ford?
2: I think one of the big things that I'm seeing out there is that government is realizing over and over again that they cannot do this work alone. That um, government's role in um, keeping kids safe is this big. Going in to do the investigations, providing supportive services, but the community's role, the community, and I'm talking about the church community and the larger community, their role is huge. As they could step in and, you know, look at how can we prevent some of these kids from ever coming into the foster care system? That the community can, or are there daycares where kids can be kept safe and at an affordable rate? So that parents aren't um, making hard decisions and leaving kids unsupervised at home while they're working two jobs. Um, Those children need um, affordable child care. They need reasonable um, child care. And so the community plays a role in that. The other thing is that when kids do come into care, how about the um, community stepping forward to say, are you calling me to be a foster parent, God? Are you calling me to serve that child? Are you calling me to serve that birth parent while they're going through their drug and alcohol rehab, letting them know that there's a watchful eye on their child? Maybe you're supposed to be a CASA volunteer. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And so, you know, you're not having a child come into your home by doing foster care, but by being a CASA volunteer, you're the eyes and the ears of the court. You're spending time with that child and their siblings um, and informing the court through a written report and sometimes a verbal report about the things that you're seeing and hearing about how this child is progressing so that the court can make an informed decisions about other things that impact that child and, and that will eventually impact that family. That there's a, Critical need for mental health services, and that's a community issue. Whether you you know a county-based mm-hmm. system or a state-based system for child welfare, there needs to be huge um, supportive services around mental health. We have a human mental health mm-hmm. crisis going on in our nation, and so we need we need those services for families to be able to access them, so that if they need meds, mm-hmm. appropriate meds, if they need to be seeing a therapist. Um, several times um, a month that those services are available um, at a reasonable cost for people to be able to access them so that there's oversight. Um, children need to be in, um, have oversight in schools. And so when kids are missing from school, and I, you know, I do realize that some families are, are, are called to um, homeschool, but even children who are being homeschooled need to have some oversight, um, knowing that those kids are safe. Um, and so the community ha- being a watchful eye Um, It makes a difference because if you see something, just like you might say in the airport, gosh, if you see unsupervised luggage, say something to someone. Well, if you see a child who might be um, looks like they might be neglected, looks like they've got bruises, say something to a credible person, do the report. You don't have to worry about investigating. Uh, If you tell, then someone else can do the investigation. That's their job. I think our school systems play a huge role and our kids being um, um, having a safe place to go and tell that something bad might be happening in their, in their home. And so how do we support our, our schools um, so that kids know that they are welcome? They're kids of all ages, all, all hues of color. Um, it's so important that we the community is loving on children because safe communities make it safe for, for families and make it safe for children.
0: Yeah, and uh, just, I've got a quick question, then a point I want to ask your opinion on. Um, that CASA is something I was unaware of. Uh, state uh, uh, appointed uh, supervisor. Um, Court appointed ad- special advocate. Special advocate, and Next. and uh, that's who kids have that are in regular families. They have their brothers and their sisters, they have their aunts and uncles, uh, uh, they have other people, they have their neighbors, uh, their friends, parents, And it seems like there's a disconnect in um, our country, uh, particularly in the conservative uh, political movement of of saying, um, uh, almost adopting the same type of philosophy that uh, the, you know, people that choose not to work, there are, are progressives that would advocate, well, then you just give them money, you know, because work is a choice. And they carry that over here and they say, well, this is what you proposed is gonna cost money. And and as a social conservative, uh, those of us that are pro-life would point out these children don't have grandparents and aunts and uncles and and others by definition they are they are wards of the state and therefore it's the state that needs to mimic that behavior and that support and and so um, the the casa is that an actual uh, fifty-state thing or is that a best practice that you ushered in in Colorado and several other states have, but, but what, what do people need to know about that?
2: Well, um, CASA volunteers um, exist in many states across the nation, and it's not something that I ushered in in Colorado. Um, Colorado is a state-supervised county-administered system, and we have 64 counties here, and the predominant number of our counties do have CASA volunteers working through the court system and once a CASA volunteer is identified, and it's a, a collective group of individuals, it's not just me as one person saying, hey, judge, I want to volunteer. It's a collective group that gets training, has oversight, and gets assigned by the court a case um, to be that um, those eyes and ears of the court. And so there are um, 30 Um, plus states that I'm aware of that have um, CASA volunteers and that's something um, your audience could google and say is you know is there a CASA program in my state and CASA and hopefully there's one near them or they if they are interested in volunteering that they could connect. Well that that sounds
0: like a really, really, really important thing for Christians to be aware of. And um, our, our audience out there, by the way, we want you to share this. We want you to like, comment. Many of you uh, know of the foster care and adoption system in your state. You've gone through this. You've uh, got your kids uh, that, that have friends that have had the blessing of being placed in a good foster home or adoption situation. And we want to raise awareness. This is National Awareness Month uh, um, on adoption and foster care. And and the church plays such a big role. And and one of the things, um, and, and we're not being judgmental here. When you talk about drugs and addiction, it's a scourge in America, and it's one that I can speak to from, you know, from experience. My my father uh, um, lived in addiction until I was uh, the year that I left to go to college. Uh, um, I suffered in addiction until I got sober at 39 years old, and, and went through rehab multiple times. And my oldest child was nine. So we're not trying to say people are evil, or they're horrible, or they're bad. Or, or that we're better than them. But this is what's going on in America. And my next question is kind of a leading question, but I, I want you to answer it, is um, it, it seems that we go right past uh, um, the good of the child and we go to what makes the parents feel better. And, and one of the rules I learned when I got sober and, and I uh, began my relationship with Jesus Christ, who, who freed me from my addiction was that I can't give away something I don't have. that that I have to improve myself, that I have to improve my marriage, that I have to become a better father and husband, you know, and and, a person uh, before I could give that to other people. And it seems that in our country, we're dismissing that when it comes to adoption and foster care. Things like the um, passage uh, uh, recently here in in America of um, the uh, same-sex marriage, you know, uh, um, people by definition biologically that can't reproduce. Uh, people that, uh, um, choose not to raise their children with the people that they had the children with, whether that be through divorce or convenience or other arrangements that they create. And does that get in the way of what, um, you know, science continues to shows in the best interest of the child, which is to have somebody playing the mother role and the father role, uh, cohabitating together, uh, and pouring their experience and what they do have to give to that child. And, and, uh, should we be aware of that? Or are there things that we can do? And all my years of being
2: working in state government and, and, and now working with for focus on the family, I have been in awe um, in how a child can be nurtured and loved on and guided by caring people and those caring people have been um, husband and wife because the role of being a foster parent, the role of being an adoptive parent, you're giving to someone who is needy. And um, you. we as individuals only have so much that we individually can give in and of our own strength. But then as you mentioned, God, God pours into us. So as God pours into us, we can then pour into someone else. And so the balance of having a husband and a wife who take turns at pouring into each other, first of all, and then pouring into the child or children that they're caring for is huge, huge. And so when I think about individuals who are single, and I'm aware of many singles who have successfully fostered and successfully adopted, but they had a community around them that poured into them so that they could pour into the child or children that were in that home. Um, I, am cons- I have in my career been concerned about um, people who are um, living in an alternative lifestyle um, and the messaging that they might be giving to a child. We are made in the image of God. All of us. All of us. Whether we choose to to own that and walk in it or not. And so if I'm if I'm caring for a child, what am I sharing with that child? What am I what's the image I'm portraying to them? What's the information I'm giving to them so that they can be who they were born to be, who God is is you know, wants to equip them to be. And so when my own stuff gets in the way of my doing the right thing by a child, I have a problem with that. And so um, as we now face in our society where um, marriage is not seen between a man and a woman, um, I, 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 I wonder and I question and I pray. And I'm like, God, ultimately you're in control. So guide and protect the children who are in homes where there are um, individuals who are living in outside of the bounds of a biblical marriage.
0: Yeah. And um, people seem to want to, this is my commentary, by the way, you don't have to respond to this, but they seem to want to attach all these fancy words to it in situations. And and um, they don't want to talk about the underlying principle of, of, uh, um, what I'm hearing you say, which is there's selfish behavior uh, um, and there's selfless behavior. And and we all uh, toggle between those two in, in every aspect of our life, because we're all human beings on, on this earth. Uh, but when it comes to the care of a child, we, we need to keep care of that inventory of which one we're demonstrating. Uh, um, adopting or fostering a child should be a selfless act, not a selfish act of uh, um, and, and we have policies that get in the way uh, of that, whether it's uh, financial incentives that create perverse incentives for uh, certain people that are not equipped to foster children, that, that they uh, um, opportunistically look at it uh, uh, to fix their own problems. That would be in the selfish column, people that um, are not willing to give up a habit or, or, or uh, um, a, a lifestyle choice uh, for the benefit of that child, you know, that, that, that needs that nurturing for a, a long period of time, that uh, whatever they have left between when they're fostered, adopted until adulthood uh, of modeling, um, the family for their benefit. And, um, it seems that it's very hard for our politicians to, to point that out, that, that, um, that, you know, that, that, um, we, we live in a free society, so you can live as selfishly as you want with your sexual or other companionship relationships and the rest of it. But that does not necessarily mean that you have something to give to nurture and benefit the child at this time and, and, and until you, you can get there. And um, it's just, it it's a concern we have. Um, Focus on the Family does such a wonderful job uh, programmatically. Uh, of, of uh, letting people uh, know how to get involved. Things that, that I didn't even know, even though we work in the public policy is what the Family Policy Alliance does. Uh, as you know, Dr. Ford, we have 40 state organizations. Uh, um, you can uh, look at the link here. Uh, they were found, we have a shared founder, Dr. James Dobson uh, of uh, Family Policy Alliance, focus on the family and the 40 state organizations. And we, we all wanna roll up our sleeves. This is National Adoption Month. We, we hope and pray that you'll share this, uh, that you'll comment and that you'll too will consider getting involved. And so the next question I have for you is is really more practical. Uh, doc, we're with Dr. Sharon Ford, who, who has more than 30 years of experience leading a state organizations, as well as a national trade associations on foster care and adoption. Uh, um, and we're talking to a, a Christian audience. There's more than forty thousand churches, and the, the network of uh, our alliance, the Family Policy Council Alliance of the state organizations. What's some practical advice that um, we could be doing to, to to tell somebody who's overwhelmed when they've heard some of the dark side of what's going on in the in, in the foster care and adoption system right now? This is I, I want to do something about it in the next year. Um, what's some practical advice for them?
2: My first practical advice is for people to pray because God will guide them through their prayer time of what um, steps for them to take. The word is very clear to say um, where God calls you to, he will provide for you. And so I, it's so important that people um, hear from the Lord. I think the second thing they need to do is to know what's in their community. We could, you mentioned large numbers earlier Nationwide, there's 400,000, over 400,000 children who are in the foster care system. Nationwide, there's over 102,000 children who are available for adoption. But you said you're in Michigan and there are other collateral states nearby that are listening to this program. It's important to know what's your state's number. How many children are in foster care in your state? How many kids are available in your state? And so when you even take that, then how about my county? You can go online and look under your state government and look up under child welfare, or you could contact me at Focus on the Family, and I could share information with you about the number of children who are available in your state, available for adoption, um, who are in need, or other kids who are in need of foster homes. Um, Having that local information makes it real clear about some of the work that you can do. I mentioned earlier, CASA volunteer. Is there a CASA office in my community, in my county? Is that, God, are you calling me to serve that way? God, are you calling my church to serve? And, and I'm a deacon or I'm deaconess or, or I work in the ch- church daycare or, or our church has a school. Is there a way for my church to step up and play a role? And 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 since I go to that church, how can I play a role in that? Oh oh God, m- maybe it's that I you're calling me to pay a, be mindful and pay attention to some of the people maybe we've seen come in the church. And there's a foster family maybe who is already in our church. And what about us supporting that foster family who's caring for children already and wrapping supportive services around them? Because the average statistic for foster families is that in a year and a half, they're going to leave. They're going to stop being a foster parent because they're isolated and they're overwhelmed. How about supporting them and providing supportive services to that foster family so that they continue to serve as a foster family and as a person you serve that foster family or by the same token, you support that adoptive family so that they know that they are connected to the church, they are connected to their community, that people know About the work that they're doing? You say, well, they chose to do that? Yes, they did. They chose to do it because God called them to do it. So, what role would God have you to play in loving on that family? And if you love on the family, you love then on the children, the bio children, the adoptive children, the foster children. You help that family know that they are connected to you and you are connected to them.
0: Well, One of my old lines, uh, Dr. Ford, we're with Dr. Ford, Focus on the Family. And I'd encourage everybody here, we'll have links uh, for you to uh, check out uh, Focus on the Family to get involved. Uh, They are a program service provider. They have wonderful uh, uh, educational resources for you if you're looking to be involved in this as well as for uh, parents. Uh, um, And we want you to uh, check out Focus on the Family. They're a very important alliance partner of ours. We work on a number of issues. And, and it's such a privilege to have you here, Doctor Ford. I, I spent um, a lot of time uh, working at a prison fellowship. I had the privilege of Chuck Colson hiring me, and and um, you know Jesus talked in parables and metaphors a lot, but he he did give some specific things uh, in a couple of places, and one of them was he said, "Do this if you want to know what I'll be scorecarding." Um, it was both visit the prisoner and and, and look after the orphans, you know and and the widows. and so uh, and and he's very very specific about that. What would happen if you did not do this? I don't mean to threaten <laughs> anybody watching this, but he' goes, I don't even know who you are. If, if you otherwise have confessed your faith in him and and show up and knocking on heaven's door, he's going to be saying, um, what did you do here? and and we we simply we're, we're not trying to threaten we're not trying to cajole you, but we are trying to raise awareness here. November is, National Foster Care and Adoption Month, to be aware that serving out what Jesus tells us to do can be one of the most beneficial things that you'll ever do in your life. It can be one of the most rewarding. It will bring you closer to Christ and your own miracles will occur right before your very eyes. And um, the line I had, then I'm going to ask you the last question here, Dr. Ford, is um, God never made a throwaway person. You know, he, he never has. And whether you're born or, or after you're born or, or uh, you're in the foster care adoption system, your parents are together, divorced, uh, um, lost, uh, um, as my nieces and nephews lost their, their father, my younger brother, uh, after the Afghanistan war. And, and there's all sorts of situations, but there's opportunities uh, for us to serve because everybody counts. And and so uh, if you could, Dr. Ford, give us some encouragement. I know you've you you you've weathered a lot of, and endured a lot of pain that you've had to witness, but with your long career, more than 30 years in this field, but give our listeners some encouragement as they go out of here and they're preying on how they might pour themselves, their time, talent, treasure into the foster care and adoption system.
2: You know, Craig, I am encouraged because um, this is a season of hope as, We just celebrated Advent, the first um, Sunday that begins Advent on last Sunday. And I'm hopeful that God's people are praying. I'm hopeful that as God's people continue to pray, that he speaks to them. I'm hopeful that as he speaks to them, that they will take action, that they won't sit on their laurels. They won't turn a deaf ear, that they will say, oh, God, you're calling me to this. God will now provide training for them give them information of the steps to take because our nation of Christians really do care about children, children of all ages, of all hues of color, children who have experienced horrible traumatic situations, but the people of God hear God's message in Psalms 68, that he sets the lonely in families, that he's a father to the fatherless And so I know that the body of Christ will stand up and they will take action to love on the least of these in these hard times. And through their love and through their compassion, some of these children will go back home because these families will not only love on the kids, but they'll love on the birth families where these children came from. That healing will happen, that wholeness, that restoration. If anybody knows about restoration, the body of Christ knows about it, right? And so these families who God will call will love on those birth families, those kids will go back home, and the church will grow through that love, right? For the children who won't be able to go back home, they'll get a forever family through adoption because God will call some to say, I'm putting you in this forever family and the judge will smile and he'll hit the, he or she will hit that gavel and say, you are now a new family, just like a wedding. Wow. God will put them together. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is inspiring and I'll be praying on this and I'll be talking to my wife and in my children to see what more we can do in our local community. That's where it starts. A lot of people think that petitioning the president of the federal government is where things begin. This is truly an area where you can get involved locally as Dr. Sharon Ford, our guest said today, it's just a privilege to be with you. Dr. Ford focus on the family. Uh, um, Thank you. And God bless you for your devotion to this area and taking time to educate and inspire and, and, and uh, God willing, send our audience out into more active uh, sleeves rolled up uh, participation in the adoption in the foster care system. If, if, if you're watching this, we want you to we want you to share it. We want you to comment. We, we uh, really greatly appreciate you. Uh, tuning in because this is an area that cannot be solved as dr ford pointed out by the government this is an area where the government can merely facilitate the connecting of forever families with the children that are in need and we know that um there's a big role to play with with over 100,000 eligible in america to be adopted today so uh, god bless you as you go out from here thank you for tuning in to today's show and and please share this like it comment on it and look at what you can get involved in your local community as well as through your local family policy council. and god bless you Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you left as challenged and inspired as I did. Once again, I'm Craig DeRoche, the president and CEO of Family Policy Alliance, and this is Conversations with Craig. We'll talk to you again real soon.
1: Conversations with Craig is brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished.